Can you afford retrospective Medicare denials? We're talking EBM, economic-based medicine, and the Medicare Revenue Audit Contractor Program is going to bite you if you're not prepared. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Robert Wagner. Dr. Wagner is the Chief Medical Officer of Accretive Health in Chicago, Illinois. His company's Sure Decisions Clinical Compliance Program results in more accurate classification of patients at the point of care. Prior to joining Accretive Health, Dr. Wagner was medical director of a large multi-hospital emergency medicine organization. He is board certified by the American Board of Emergency Medicine and a fellow of the American College of Emergency Physicians. Today we are discussing Accretive Health's Sure Decision Compliance Program. Hi, Dr. Wagner. It's great of you to join us at the Clinician's Roundtable. Dr. Rutenberg, I'm happy to be here, and thanks for having me today. The program is called Sure Decisions. Specifically, what kind of decisions are we talking about? The specific decisions we're talking about are whether a patient's an inpatient or an observation. Decision of patient status classification. Is that a hard thing to make, that decision? You know, it seems easy, and as a practicing physician, I thought it was, but in reality, it's a very difficult decision. It turns out that it's really not a clinical decision, but rather a business or financial decision. What kind of criteria does your program, the Sure Decisions program, use to determine the classification? Well, the classification we use are based on CMS guidelines. So we focus on the Medicare Benefit Policy Manual. That's a manual that Medicare has developed that includes a lot of their policies. And in the first chapter, the 10th paragraph, it goes on to describe what an inpatient is and then how we make that decision and how to classify a patient. You've been a practicing emergency room doctor. I believe you still practice. Are there some key points that you could make to ED doctor in our audience who may be on the scene right now having to make a decision and yet doesn't have a creative health program available to them? Absolutely. That basically the decision isn't based on how long the patient stays in the hospital. The 23-hour rule is supposed to be a guideline. Use your best judgment. The policy manual asks me to make a complex medical judgment that can only be made after I look at a number of factors at the ER doctor. What were the patient's comorbidities? What do they really need? Is it better that they get this as an inpatient or an outpatient? What is the appropriateness of that treatment in this setting? And what's really important to the doctor at the scene is that I look at the severity of the signs and the symptoms and the medical predictability of adverse events. Look at where this patient's really going to go, what's going to really happen, and how sick are they really? And I need to always remember that coverage for an admission is not decided solely on the basis of length of stay. So if there's a sick patient there that I know is going to stay for a couple of days, I need to document very, very well what's going on with that patient and why I think they need to be an inpatient. I would guess that the goal of a program such as this is sort of zero tolerance, like, you know, you don't want to make any errors. From what's been learned so far, how is your program working? Very, very well. We have found that in the greater scheme of things, as we look at patients, we find that we're really able to preserve what we call revenue integrity, that we get the right patient in the right spot. And by doing that, we've improved hospital compliance across the board. Uh, We've empowered case management teams. We've empowered physicians and physician satisfaction. We've also been able to improve the net revenue of the hospitals that we work with by an average of about 0.5%. That's really impressive when you realize what the budgets of these places are. Yeah, I mean, a half percent on a billion dollars is a lot of money. How is the outcome data tabulated or tracked? In other words, you make a recommendation for in or out patient. Somehow you got to have a feedback and a tracking system to know whether the criteria are working. 
Absolutely. So we have a web-enabled portal that's secure. It has two-way communication, and we've developed a case management dashboard that keeps the patients sort of in a nice order of archived or active or discharged. We also automatically manage the workflow. We prioritize work based on call time logic. We are HIPAA and BAA compliant. We have digital data access, and then we have what we call real-time analytics. It can detect the effectiveness at point of care from daily, weekly, monthly, or yearly. We look at utilization. And then when we operate within Accretive Health, we can tell you exactly what the yield impact is. Accretive Health, as a revenue cycle management company, is able to tell us the decision we made was carried through to payer and then paid at that level. Now, who do you share these results with? What sort of contact is maintained between Accretive Health and the hospital that's contracted with you? We work directly through the PFS, the patient financial services, as well as the case management team. And do you provide any kind of regular reports to the medical staff? Absolutely. We, we provide regular reporting to the chief medical officer. So when I come in and I present this, I come and I present to the chief medical officer and discuss it with him. We have interaction with the medical executive committee. I meet individually with physicians on the staff, both in the emergency room, the utilization review committee, the medical executive committee. Often now I'm meeting with a lot of hospitalists and discussing it with them as well. And then I'll go ahead and present at quarterly medical staff meeting or monthly medical staff meeting at the request of the chief medical officer. Now, a lot of what you're doing is driven by the Revenue Audit Contractor Program. Is that currently in operation anywhere? So the Revenue Audit Contractor Program started back in 2006 as part of their Medicare Improvement and Modernization Act, and it is operating in three states. In actuality, it just finished. They had a demonstration project that finished in March 27th, and they're looking to roll out the permanent RAC program starting, and the quote that I got from CMS just yesterday was, quote, late spring, so sometime before June 21st. So there's not a whole lot of time to prepare if you haven't started yet. Is that right? That's correct. In the new RAC, or what they're calling the permanent RAC, the look-back period is going to only be to October 2007. And look-back means? They can review charts as far back as October 2007. Okay. Now, a hospital is faced with this, a hospital system. What kind of education, what kind of program are they going to need? And, you know, again, we'll do a scenario. I'm hospital system A, and I contact Accretive Health, and I say, boy, we're faced with this big problem coming up. We need to get started. What's the process? They Obviously, they contact you, but then how do you begin? So it's important to know when they're going to roll out. Uh, CMS mandated now that all states are going to roll out by 2010. And they've had a map that sort of lines up which hospitals, which states are going to be rolling out at, at which time. And so it depends on where they are in the map. But let's say they're going to roll out. We need to get them really prepared for the permanent rack. And what we'd like is we develop what's called a rack shield. Now, we like them to participate. We get them in an intensive compliance training. We want to organize them. And the organization involves a team approach. We find a rack champion at their facility or at their system and a rack champion at each site. And then what we like to do is prepare them with an organizational hierarchy and a point of contact. And we educate them hospital and system-wide. Everybody needs to buy into this thing. Remember that they're coming to your hospital. They're looking at every single Medicare claim that your hospital has back to October 2007. And they're looking for overpayments. And there's no limit. They can do whatever they want. And then what I think is one of the most important things is to track what's going on. Remember that they can come now and they can ask for charts from your hospital. And the way that it's lined up, they can ask for 50 charts for every 150 beds every 45 days. So they can ask for a lot of charts. I feel like they're putting me up on the rack. <laughs> yeah, we say you're going to get racked. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Rob Wagner, Chief Medical Officer of Accretive Health 
and we're discussing Sure Decisions Physician Advisory Services for classification status of the Medicare patients and the RAC compliance and preparedness. So the rack is coming, no doubt about it. You come into the hospital, you are working specifically with whom you've identified the champions, and then what's the next process in the training? To create an organizational team approach. So what we want to do is we want to get somebody involved from PFS, from HIM, from compliance. HIM is a very important person in getting the charts. In IT. Health information um, management, yeah, HIM. CNO, we want to get a chief medical officer or a medical doctor involved in the process because they need to be the champion of change. One of the big things that the revenue audit contractors are looking at are medical necessity, inpatient versus outpatient, whether they meet medical necessity or not. And a lot of that is based on how well you document medical necessity. Physician Advisory Services helps doctors do that on the front end by establishing a utilization review note that we put on your charts. But on the back end, we have to fix it later. So we want our physicians to learn how to document medical necessity. In addition, one of the big things they've gone after is surgical debridements. And they've gone after surgical debridements because the notes don't say debridement and they don't say that they used a knife. So if you don't say excisional debridement together, the words need to appear together, and they don't say that I used a scalpel, then the Medicare revenue audit contractors are denying those. I don't want to be cynical, but like, have you written, especially now with the computerized medical records, could it be easy? Have you written standard so-called progress notes, procedure notes, and somebody clicks boom and it says surgical debridement and uses all the proper terminology? Absolutely. And what happens is we've developed best practice guidelines. With the surgical debridements, a lot of them are bedside procedures. So doc will scribble a little note in the chart and move on because they'll be debriding a foot or or something on an inpatient. And so we lose them there. We lose a lot of them there, and that's a lot of the ones they're going after. Talk a little bit about the best practices, what you use as criteria for developing them, and, you know, just explain a little bit more about best practices. I'll use uh, PTCAs, for example. And we've developed best practice guidelines for PTCAs. As most of you know, they're trying to push a lot of the PTCAs to outpatient standards. And again, that's percutaneous coronary angiography? Right, yep. And when you stent somebody... Often we keep them in as inpatients. What the outpatient prospective payment system rules for 2007 and 2008 say is they should all be outpatients now. So we've developed a best practice guideline built around two different sets of criteria. We looked at clinical criteria. What's going on with the patient? What are their comorbidities? Exactly the same thing I talked about in the Medicare Benefit Policy Manual. Mm -hmm. What CMS is also saying is that they need to be urgent in order to be inpatient. They define urgent as acute coronary syndrome or unstable angina. So we've developed boarding policies based around that because a lot of the patients will have unstable angina. Did they have a change in their typical anginal pattern? Is the little old lady only able to walk a block now rather than three blocks before she gets short of breath? Is it only relieved by nitro? Is it at rest? Has there been a change? Even if you bring that patient as an outpatient and don't document that, then you cannot put that patient as an inpatient. It will only be an observation. What happens if there's a problem after the angioplasty? So we've developed also a set of clinical guidelines for any kind of complications. So there's a a set of rules that we apply that we've developed and actually taken from the evidence-based medical literature that basically say if they have these things before the surgery, if they're female, there's an increased risk uh, for adverse outcome. If they've had an injection fraction less than 20%, those patients are also at increased risk. And so there's a point scoring system that we use that we didn't develop that we actually gleaned from evidence-based literature review. Where are you currently operating? 
So we operate the RAC program uh, in two of the three zones that were previous. There were three zones. There was New York, Florida, and California. We're actually operating now in Massachusetts, which joined New York in July, as well as in Florida. I think we're operating 12 sites right now for RAC. What are the costs involved for a hospital system to institute the accretive health program? The question that I have to ask is, what is the cost that they don't? Very good. Do you share? Kind of like the same as the rack system? You get a percentage of what you save them? No, we, we actually, you can't do that. Uh, <laughs> I hate to gain share on something like that. We actually do it on a consulting and a per appeal basis. So we do it basically on how much consulting we're needing to do to help you organize your system. And then as we're doing appeals process for you, it's on a case-by-case basis. Very good. I'd like to thank Dr. Rob Wagner, who's been my guest, and we've been discussing Accretive Health's Sure Decision Physician Advisory Services. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com and explore our on-demand and podcast features, which gives you access to our entire program library. Until next time, I wish you good day and good health.